Welcome to the For the Church podcast, another great gospel-centered resource from Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. My name is Jared Wilson. I'm an assistant professor of pastoral ministry and author in residence at Midwestern Seminary. And today, once again, I'm with my friend, my pastor, my trustee. Is that what I would say? My trustee, I guess. The seminary's trustee. Seminaries. Dr. Nathan Rose, lead pastor of Liberty Baptist Church in Liberty, Missouri. And uh, how you been? It's been a good good week for you? Been a great week so yeah. far. Yes. Thanks for having me back. Absolutely. Thanks for not firing me. Well, it was, a good, it was a good introductory run. We talked about introductions. It was short. And it was short. Maybe people will like that. Maybe we leave people wanting more. Well, Go out on a high note. When we have, uh, you know... That was a new... Seinfeld reference, by the way. <laughs> I, I was, I'm sorry. I was already on to my next thought. Didn't <laughs> okay, even hear good. it. When we have guys preach, you know, and they're like their first time or whatnot, and they're they're worried, and I just say, hey, if you, if you go short, no one will be no one will be upset with you. Yeah. If, if you end early, even if the sermon's yeah, bad, right. exactly. no one's like, oh. But if you, it's not good, and yeah. you keep going, it's rare. Even good sermons that are short, the the average good sermon that's short, people still don't wish that you had kept going. It's very rare to stop and someone goes, yeah. I wish they would keep going yeah. for thirty more this minutes. Is true. I heard that once in my life. It was twenty some years ago. Do you a new the me- I was t- I know it, was, it wasn't even a sermon. I was leading a new members class um, at this church in Nashville. I was teaching a new new member seminar, and this lady afterwards said, um, "I could have listened to you for another couple hours." And I was talking about just like basic theology and things like that. Wow! But and given the context, this is a church that's really starving for theology. That I makes think. sense. So it was like it I was, was opening it, up new you know vistas yeah. of understanding for people. That, it had nothing to do with you. It Jared. had nothing to do with me. I think it was it was purely the material uh, for sure. Hey, um, seen any good movies lately? I know. <laughs> Let me not put it that way. You saw It's a Wonderful Life for don't, the first time. Hey, don't judge How me. How old are you? I am 38. 38 years old. And you saw It's a Wonderful Life for the very first time. For the very first time. Yeah. Tell it, me what that's like. I can't, I can't get that experience so back. It was, so I've seen clips of it, right? Because yeah. And there's references because it's sort of, you know, everyone has seen it right, except right. for me. And it's one of those movies that uh, we usually make a list of Christmas mu- movies to watch during okay. the Christmas season. And it was one that was on the list. Someone, I think, had recommended it and um, noticed that it was, like, on Amazon Prime for free. And <laughs> yeah. it was late. And and, yeah. and and it also comes on television, like, <laughs> 30 times a day. But anyway. This is true. Uh, we don't have, like, regular, like, television. Oh, okay, okay. So, that makes sense. Uh, and so I told the kids. It was getting late. And I was like, look, you can either you can either go to bed. Mm-hmm. Or you can watch this movie that you're probably not going to like because it's old <laughs> and it's black and white. Right. Um, but I said, if you don't like it, just imagine, you know, I could be in my room sleeping right now. So this is this is better. And so, honestly, I didn't have very high hopes for it. I yeah. thought it was like, oh, it was one of these things that people like only because of the nostalgia. No. And then we're watching it and our family is laughing. We're crying. Yeah. We're clapping. The movie's over. We're cheering. And I was like... That was an amazing movie. Yeah. And then I asked my oldest daughter, who is, she's at that age where, like, nothing is cool. You know? Jared, <laughs> right. have you ever? You, oh, for sure. Yeah, okay. I'm still at that age. She's, but, just, yeah. <laughs> she's just unimpressed with everything. And so I was like, hey, what did you think? She goes, it was a good movie. And mm. I was like, which, like, coming from her is yeah, like, yeah. this might have been the greatest movie ever ever produced. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so that's the most recent movie that I, I always, watched. I always save it. So it's in our rotation every year, and it's to me, it's like it's the dessert. Ah, so I I try to watch wait. either on Christmas Day or, or Christmas Eve if I know Christmas Day is going to be too busy. This year, um, you know, people are hearing this in January. So yeah, sorry, this guys. This is going to be so boring but that I'm talking about something that happened a month ago. 
um, but it's actually three weeks out from when we're recording this. Is this. Weird. this is it's weird. Like we're in a time warp. Uh, we're going to Houston for Christmas, and I'm taking it with me so I can make uh, sure that I see it around you know, Christmas Day. You know what? That movie almost like just faded in, out of existence. I don't know if you know this. So it was like mm. came out in like the 40s. Right. And it wasn't popular. It didn't do well at the box office. And then what happened was U.S. copyright law says you have 28 years to renew the license. And someone forgot to renew the license. <laughs> yeah. Which is why all these television um, stations Everybody can play started, they yeah. started running it. Because yeah. they're like, oh, here's a Somebody, free- like, I think Ted Turner colorized it. Yeah. I, I hate that. Yeah. And so like, so now it's a free movie. That they can that they can air because there's no copyright and and so this started in the 70s and then everyone started to watch it and sort of it snowballed into the famous movie that it is okay but if the copyright law hadn't have expired then we probably wouldn't be talking about it today so the fact that it aired on television every year became is why it became a beloved correct because it, it was classic. like it was it was considered dark compared to other oh, Christmas for sure. movies yeah. At yeah. that time, I wonder if that's true of other things too, like Wizard. I mean, I guess yeah. the Wizard of Oz was probably a big movie when it came out. It was nineteen thirty, whatever. But um, it just aired on TV like every. There was like, a, you know, I don't remember when, but I mean, like when I was a kid, it came on every year. Mm. It was like a, an event that the Wizard of Oz was playing, and I wonder if that kind of just kept it in the. Yeah, I've seen that movie. Yeah, you know what I've seen recently? What's that? Is um, and about halfway through it is Peter Jackson's Beatles uh, documentary Get Back. I saw your on your Disney. tweet last night. Are you a Beatles guy at all? I'm not, I didn't even know this movie was out. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, I won't. I won't say a whole lot about it because if you're not a you know Beatles guy, but it's just it's fascinating to watch, especially if you're a fan of the Beatles, to see these guys in in a very personal way because it's essentially just cameras watching them as they write these songs. Is it a and movie record. or a documentary? It's a documentary. Okay. So it's it was leading up to their very last concert, which is the famous rooftop concert, um, and 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 the recording of the album "Let It Be." And it's them writing these songs that are now like classic songs. Get back, yeah. let it be, the long and winding road. You see Paul on the piano, like he's got the melody, but he doesn't have the words yet. So he's just like da da da. Uh, trying to figure it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're like, this is where it came from. And you just see the magic of that. Plus, there's there's tension in the band because you know, like George walks out, and John and Paul have this tension, and that's traced back. Like we all knew this, and and kind of the big, uh, you know, the. the the rap on it was Yoko, John Lennon's wife, is mm-hmm. the one who broke up the Beatles. Mm. And there's not, you know, that's not a baseless idea, but it's so overstated. You actually see what's happening. They attribute it to their manager, Brian Epstein, who died a year earlier. And it just created this, like, uh, he was disciplinarian. So several times John mentions, like, you know, Brian would say, 9 o'clock, boys, we're going to be doing this, whatever. And it kind of kept him in line to kind of, you know, produce. Yeah. Once he died, that kind of that structure left, and now they're like, "Who's the boss? Like, mm. who tells us?" And so they're kind of jockeying for position, and it's just it, it's really interesting. And but you also see that they really love each other as well. There's just beautiful moments hmm. of like this phone call between John and Paul, where they've had this tension of who's the boss and who's going to decide how things are going to get played and everything. And you hear them on the phone, these guys who've been friends since they were kids, and it's an argument, but it's they're trying to compromise. They're they're hmm. actually. They're telling the truth to each other. I just thought, man, I wish more people would argue like this. Mm. They're speaking honestly, but they're also owning things, and they're trying to be, you know, deferential. And I just thought, like, these are two you know, pagans talking about, you know, how to get along. And I just thought, man, I, you know, some Christians could probably yeah, learn probably this. Probably so. That's and then really you've got Ringo, who who gets a bad rap for, you know, you know, you know, like he just 
you know, fell into the Beatles. You know, he doesn't belong there. And you just see, like, he's, he has such wonder about everything. He's kind of the most uh, uh, childlike in a way. Mm. And there's one part where Paul is tinkering on the piano, and Ringo just says to another guy, like, I, I could watch Paul play for hours. And he's just enjoying everything. He wow. just loves being a part of it. Hmm. And he becomes almost kind of the, like, you live vicariously through Ringo. You're just like, yeah, if I were there, I'd be like, whoa, what is George doing huh. over there? That's crazy. And so, yeah, I've just really enjoyed it. If you're not a Beatles guy, it's probably not. Because each episode, I was kind of like, you know, each episode is like two and a half hours long. So each one is like a movie unto itself almost. You said you watched a movie. It's a documentary That's, series. Okay. Yeah. Which is not a movie. For the record. Oh, did I say movie? Yeah. It's I just okay. meant something mad. on yeah. television or whatever. So here's the thing. I am not like a huge Beals fan, but everything yeah. you just said is incredibly fascinating. Yeah. I yeah. think I would like that. You, you can look up some clips because there's people like showing highlights of things online and you can look up clips and see if it's the kind of thing. And there are like, if you're not a fan, there are things that are just like, do I really need to watch 45 minutes of them tinkering, you know, tinkering around on instruments and but if you're a fan and you know some of these songs and you're like, that's where that came from. Mm. They're trying to figure out what, how do I get the lyric into here and what's the lyric for this? And it's just really like, whoa, he's like creating, yeah. get back out of nothing right now. It's like now, getting know? behind the scenes of like the creative process. Yes. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. Huh. And if you think they're the greatest you know, rock band of all time, which I do, then it's, it's an amazing thing. Hey, it's a mailbag installment. We've talked for nine minutes now. Last time I was worried about we weren't going long enough. We're compensating. We're compensating now. So nine and a half, I'm sorry, listener, if you don't like banter. Well, fast forward. It stinks to be you, I guess. Here's the For the Church mailbag episode. First question. This comes from Todd on Twitter. How do you sustain friendships in ministry when God calls one elsewhere? Jared, what do you think he means by that? Um... I think he means like if you're ministering with somebody and they move away, how do you sustain a friendship? And I want Man. Todd to know about this little thing called the internet. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but that was, that was my first, yeah. um, you know, my first response is just that, uh, you know, the friendship probably can't be the same. Yeah, it's not. When you can't see someone face to face and you can't spend time with them and you're not in community with them. The dynamic, uh, you know, obviously changes. There's no yeah. way to yeah. have the same dynamic. One of my good friends arguably one of my best friends, went overseas to be a missionary. Yeah. And it's inevitable. The, the relationship is just different. We still text and talk and FaceTime and shoot each other messages and GIFs, but the, the relationship is different. Yeah. And so I don't know necessarily how you, you – you can sustain it, but you can't sustain it in the same way. Yeah. I, I don't know that I – so I haven't – most of my life I have not lived in the same area as my best friends. There, there's guys that, that I knew from high school – my oldest and closest friends, we moved, and they're all in the Houston area. We moved out of Houston in 1997, but every time I'd go back, we try to get together, and we've been doing that now for 20-some years. In fact, I'm about to see them in a couple of weeks when we go um, down to Houston. Um, and I know that they're close friends because we can pick up right where we left off. Yeah. There's no, like, eh, there's no, this kind of awkwardness or, like, you changed, buddy, or anything like that. Uh, and we do keep up. You know, text and, you know, we have a text thread together that, you know, we're talking to each other, you know, almost every week as well. There's another, you know, probably, you know, uh, one of my very best friends, the guy I did ministry with in, in Nashville. We've been gone from there for six years, uh, but we see them. We try to see them every year. And it's another one of those where it's just like it just feels like yeah. family kind of thing. But it's not the same as living in the same city. No. And doing ministry the same way, so I, I, you know, I don't know that there's a way to recapture that. What what I would tell Todd is, I think you, I think you need to be intentional, which mm -hmm. is what I think your answer is saying is, hey, we're gonna, you know, text 
you know, every day we're going to have a phone conversation once a week. We're going to get together once a year. Otherwise, I think the friendship naturally just sort of dwindles. Yeah. And I wonder, I mean, I don't know the background of this question, but is there any kind of disappointment or I don't know if anger, but somebody leaves for another ministry, you know, calling, Uh, is there kind of like, you left me or, you know, are, are you upset that they went away? Um, mm. I think just acknowledging that the Lord is sovereign, yes. that we are not, and and also that friends are friends forever if yep. the Lord's the it's Lord true. of them. Uh, amen. That, that's a <laughs> reference to something. <laughs> you didn't get it. I thought 30. Oh, you didn't grow up in the church. so No. Okay. It's a Michael W. Smith yeah, song. Yeah, <laughs> everyone mentions him, and I'm like, what is going on here? Who is this yeah, guy? Yeah, it's the, the cheesiest Michael W. Smith song. It's called yeah. Friends are Friends Forever. <laughs> it's pretty cheesy. It's a true statement, though. What I was going to say is like, yes. Wow. Uh, yeah. There you go. I feel like chasing now. It's actually, I've changed my mind. It's actually a fantastic song. Okay. I just changed. It's not really. I cha- okay. <laughs> I changed it. You changed my mind about oh, that man. song. It's man. I so influential. It's probably the greatest Christian song ever written. Um, here is Lucas on Facebook. Lucas says, what do you do uh, when you love your church, but the preaching is more self-help than gospel-centered. Man, I've been there, but I want to hear your answer. First. Man, I don't— I'm there right now, man. This church like, I'm going to is like I have, so self-helpy. I'm so—I feel like I have a million follow-up questions. Because, okay. Yeah, we can't do that. I know, because it's general. Each you of these take questions it. could be a whole episode, but we're really, we're just kind of giving our, you know, from-the-hip sort of answers here. What do you do Because when if it's truly self-help, yeah. purely self-help— Yeah, you probably need One, I'm like— when he says, I love the church, I think he means, I love the people. What do you think? Well, so I've just projected my own experience into okay. this, which was part of a church for about a decade. So I have a long investment there. Loving the church is not just loving the people, because the people were actually pretty transient. But it, but it was also, I've made a commitment to love these people and this place. And I don't take that lightly. Mm-hmm. And when the preaching began to significantly shift, and 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 honestly, it was always kind of self-helpy, but there was a shift theologically, personally for us. We became gospel-centered yeah. while we were there, and then it put it as, at odds with with you know the ministry philosophy of the church. But then it wasn't like, oh, we got to get out of here. It was, you know, what do we do? do I don't want to be the grumbling guy who complains about everything. Yeah, no, don't be that guy. Nobody wants to be that nope. guy. Nope. And it, it doesn't come in the gospel no, or gospel centrality doesn't. to be that person either. And I didn't immediately go talk to people either because yeah. I saw like, well, I, I don't think I get to set the preaching you don't. philosophy or, or anything like that. Uh, eventually I talked to people, but I didn't, you know, gossip or grumble about it with other people. So those are some things yes. I think I would say is yeah. don't become the the devil's advocate, even if you're right. Even if you're right. You know, in community group, I wouldn't be bringing this up. With mm-hmm. friends, I wouldn't be bringing this up. That's kind of a divisive yeah. approach. D- you know? Don't bring it up to the pastor. Because that would be like if someone came to to us. You're saying don't bring it up to the pastor. You don't think eventually you could have a conversation and just say, "Can I?" Ask? I mean, if you did it in a gentle sort of, yeah. If someone thought my preaching was self help, I would want to know. Even if I don't agree with what them, what if I'd it were know. switched? Yeah. Imagine you're pastor in a church and someone's like, "Hey, Jared, your sermons are too gospel centered." They do that. <laughs> they have done that. Okay. Yeah. They're too gospel-centered. We want them to be more self-helped. Yeah. What if they were switched? Would I, you be like, okay, yeah, let's talk about that? No, or, yeah, or, I would be. You, let's talk about it. Well, or, <laughs> like, are they going to change your mind, though? No. So what I'm thinking— But but that's clarity. Yeah. Maybe, maybe talk to them. Yeah. Maybe. But you're saying not necessarily talk to them. I would have maybe a one conversation 
Yeah. That's very gentle. But this, I mean, this is a leaving and, and kind quick. of scenario, isn't it? So wouldn't a conversation be in order? Certainly. Yeah. Well, yeah, I was explaining. I think you have one conversation. Okay. Again, maybe the guy's more gospel centered than 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 he realizes. I, I again, yeah, this yeah. question is it's so. This is why it's hard to speak. Well, let's into. just take it on the surface. Okay, this, it really okay, is self help. Really is self help. Then yeah. okay, then I think you do have a conversation with him, um, knowing that you're probably not going to change his mind. Yeah, but you need to have the conversation, and then you need to say, "Hey, I love you. I love the church, but I think it's best for my my soul, my family to go to go to another church where where I can yeah receive the gospel." Because I'm a I'm a, I'm a needy sinner. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I I think that's how it could end up. I'm just trying to figure out: is there a way in the initial conversation, not condemnatory, not but to share a concern? Yes, that's you know that's genuine and gentle without kind of the blackmail of or we're going to leave, but just asking them: how do you approach preaching? What do you, do you think about? Do do you agree with what I'm saying? To be as deferential and, to, and, certainly. and, and humble as right? you could be. Asking them genuine questions. Yeah. And I, then if the answer is, um, no, this is the way that I'm going to do it, and I don't I don't think I'm going to change, and I don't see the value in what you're saying, or I'm not going to consider it, then it's, yeah, I think, um, you know, this is probably— and, and I still would probably give some time because they may say that, and then you've put a yes, pebble in their yeah. shoe or in the back of their mind, right. they're like, you know, maybe I should rethink. Right. And you see their, their preaching begins to change maybe Certainly. after that. but. You know, you don't know, but you know if they do say, "I've never thought about that," or maybe you're right. So I'll give you an example. There's guys that I coach in preaching who would say that they're gospel centered, and they're doing gospel centered preaching, and mm-hmm. and and so I do sermon review, you know, for them, and I get to the end, and there's no presentation of the gospel. They might have used the word gospel. They'll say something like, you know, the gospel, da 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 da, and but there's no cross or resurrection, and 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 it's shocking to them when I say. Um, it was great except for there was no beholding of the glory of, of Christ and his gospel. Like you didn't mention the cross. Um, you, you didn't mention the resurrection. The message of the gospel was not in your message. And they are shocked that it wasn't there. They manuscript, but somehow in their mind, the shorthand of the gospel, well, everybody knows what yeah, that means, yeah, yeah, right? They've assumed well, it. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's an assumption of it there. So it could be that this person ha- really doesn't have any idea yeah, that they're doing this. Good. Um, they may not be aware of the concept of gospel centrality. Perhaps I, you know, I don't know. There could be a million things happening that your conversation could be actually no, a good, good means of sharpening if you don't come in as the guns sort of, of blazing. Yeah, right. I know what you need. You're doing something wrong, and here's what you need to do to Correct. shape up that kind of. So that's kind of the advice we would give there, uh, Lucas. This comes from Ryan, and this is going to be all in your mm. ballpark here um, as a PhD holder. Ryan on Twitter says, "Any advice for pastors pursuing a PhD?" I happen to have Ryan, a pastor here, who just received his PhD earlier this year, mm-hmm. or yeah, or, or last year, last year from uh, Midwestern Seminary. No, this year. What do you mean? I, this I got year? it. I got my PhD this year. I know, but when they hear this, oh, it'll so, be oh, been sorry. last year. And we're doing the time warp. We're thing. time warp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, you got your PhD from Midwestern yes, Seminary. Correct. Uh, any advice for pastors? Yeah. the The first thing that I would say is don't do it. <laughs> um, this message no, not sanctioned by Midwestern no. Baptist Theological Seminary. I, uh, my last conversation with Dr. Ducine, who was my doctoral supervisor, he's the provost of the seminary. The provost, and uh, and this was like I was maybe two months out from finishing 
And I told him, I said, Dr. Ducine, whatever you do, don't let me talk to any prospective students because <laughs> I, will, okay. I will convince This is not going well. <laughs> no, just hold on. I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. Right. I was like, don't let me talk to them because I will talk them out of it. And he, and he chuckled, and I was obviously joking around. Uh, all that to say, the advice that I would uh, tell a pastor who's wanting to pursue a PhD is it is very difficult work. It's, it's hard. It's not easy. They don't give it to you. You have to go get it. And with that, you have to be willing to make um, sacrifices. You have to be willing, you got to be very disciplined with your time. And so um, the advice that I would give is, is one, you got to make sure your family's on board. You got to make sure your church is on board and not just like, oh yeah, that's sweet. Go get a PhD. It's like, no, do you realize that this is going to have, this is going to pull me away from you. Yeah. And I need you to know that on the front end and I need you to be okay with that. So having those very intentional conversations with those individuals in your life. Um, also just being very, as I mentioned, very diligent and disciplined with your time. So coming up with a schedule, you know, your, your, your weekly um, schedule is a budget. And so you got to budget right. time for when are you going to do your schoolwork? Right. And so, you know, I, you got to do it every single day. There's, you know, rarely do you get a day off. And so just um, thinking through that process and then just figuring out when, when are you going to read? When are you going to write? When are you going to do all these things that are required? Uh, that that would be the two pieces of advice that I would give. Yeah, you know, one of the uh, other pastors at our church, Tyler, yep. um, who's also chief of staff here at the, at the, at the seminary, uh, Pastor Tyler, who's currently in the process of getting his PhD. I think it, I was in a seminar with him, um, a, a doctoral seminar, and he was sharing that his wife Samantha yeah. takes the reading schedule mm-hmm. for him and breaks it up and creates a like you know she she takes the reading list. Yes. And based on page length and that sort of thing, and she creates a reading schedule for him to say, "This is what you need to read on this day," and um, that may be something to think about. Yeah. So, so not so, so you're not caught at the end like, "Oh, I got to read 300 pages really quick to finish up," but yeah. that you have the thousands of pages you got to read in one particular seminar yeah. spaced out. Oh, now it's in bite-sized pieces every day, so you're keeping up and and you don't you know paint yourself in a corner. I thought that was a pretty it's smart. It's great. Yeah, you got to have that. You have you have to have that kind of foresight. Yeah. You have to be thinking ahead. You're not. It's just not going to happen unless you you plan for it to happen. Yeah, and you need a supportive church. You need a I mean, supportive there church. Were, you guys uh, gave me a writing leave. Yeah, we gave weeks. you writing leave. I remember there were you know there were a particular weeks where you weren't preaching because there yeah. was a seminar or yep. something that you were in, and you're like, I need to focus on this time. Now we have a bench we of guys who can preach. Bench. So if you don't have that, that's something yep. to think about. It's true. Do you need to line up guest preachers or something like that? Um, you know, that may not be an option yeah. uh, uh, for, some for people. you. But yeah, having a supportive church is really, I think, helpful. It's, it's, it's key. Yeah, good deal. All right, this comes from Bob on Facebook. I know Bob. He's a good guy, good pastor. Uh, Bob says, how do you counsel mm. someone leaving your church for another? Is Bob and a pastor? Can we he ask is a pastor. Okay. Yeah. Um, and this is one where, man, there's so many different I variables. Know. Like, depends. Why are they leaving? You know, is a good reason, bad reason, uh, you know, that sort of thing. I'm just going to assume, let's just assume for the sake of this conversation. I don't know if this is what Bob means, but someone has just decided this church is not for yeah. me. It, this isn't a discipline issue. They're not fleeing issue. discipline. Okay. okay, let's say That's that. Great. They've just decided this church is not for me. I'm going to go to this church. And they're not moving away. They're yeah, just they're going just to another church churches. in the area. Yeah. yeah. How do you counsel that person? Uh, well, hopefully the members having the initiating the conversation with the pastor, though I know that doesn't always happen. Right. Um, I think, you know, just having a, a, an informative meeting where you're asking them questions um, about, you know, why, what, why, 
you know, and that maybe that even sounded aggressive. I didn't mean it to <laughs> right, say, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just say, hey, help me, help me to think through this. Well, I heard that you're leaving. Can you please explain to me um, why? Is, is there anything that we have done? Have we, have we wronged you? Have we offended you? Have we hurt you? Um, I've had those conversations with people before. Uh, unfortunately, they're not always like accurate, meaning they don't always, they're not always forthright right. in telling you. But yeah, I yeah, think yeah. on your end, you got you to gotta try to dig and figure out what it is. Um, I would try to encourage the pastor to avoid trying to talk someone into staying. Does that make sense? Yes. So just even if the even if it's a really um, flaky reason for leaving, like just letting them leave if it's not a matter of of sin. You obviously you know you can try to convince them to stay, but I wouldn't try too hard. Um, and then, yeah. What about you, Jared? What what would you? Well, I was just on, on what you just said last, I think that makes sense to people who've pastored for a while. Uh, if you've never pastored yeah. or if you're a beginning pastor, the idea of, of not talking someone into staying probably sounds weird. But if you've been around long enough, you realize that you don't want someone, first of all, to be in your church because their arm's been twisted. Correct. Um, but also if they're the kind of person that would leave over some consumeristic reason or, or, or less than honorable reason, right? So it could be that they have a significant concern about I don't know, theology. Like if someone decided, hey, we're Pado Baptist now, we've been convinced from the Bible and that's, tradition that that's good. we should baptize our babies. I wouldn't be angry about that. I'd be disappointed. Certainly. I'd be sad. I I would you know, I'd do some, you know, some thinking about how by you know, do we preach baptism clearly enough or something like that. But I wouldn't be angry about it and I'd be like, you know what? That's this is, you know, you, you go with our blessing actually. Let's help you find a, you know, a Presbyterian church or some other church that practices that. That, that preaches the gospel and, and where, you know, and, and that's a good conversation to have. So that could be a significant thing. It could be like ministry philosophy. We just talked about the person who feels like preaching is too self-help and mm-hmm. I want gospel centrality. Um, you know, if somebody's saying, gosh, we're, we're looking for a church that's family integrated or something like that. We, we're just convinced that that student ministry and, and you know, child care, whatever is, is, is wrong. And we can say, well, we don't agree with that, but um, I can I can value your opinion, and we can have a conscientious difference, you know, and and that's an okay blessing. So I yeah. can I can say okay, you know, you can leave, and that's a different conversation than somebody yeah. that is, is just like, yeah. you know, this church is mean or Certainly. whatever. And you're like, well, let's talk about that. Does something happen? Yeah. There's there, yep. I, yeah. I think you know, digging under is the thing. But if somebody's making a weird decision based on some kind of flaky reason. Trying to keep them in your church maybe isn't the best thing no. long term because they'll just come up with something else. Certainly, later, you know. One of the questions that we tend to ask when we have these conversations is um, getting them to think about who else is going to be affected by them leaving. Yeah. So, so legitimately, okay. So, if you guys decide to leave, who else in the church is going to be hurt and affected by this? And what that, that question has a twofold purpose. One. Hopefully, it gets them to think about how their decision might have negative consequences on other members. Yeah, but it also helps you as a pastor then to then speak with those individuals and encourage and counsel them as that 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 family or the, that member departs. The Are you church. thinking in terms of like maybe ministry positions where they're leaving somebody who's going to have to like double up their own responsibilities, or you just mean like relationally? Relationally, okay, that's what I meant. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Like if. If you left our church yeah. for another church, you know, you just I know you wouldn't, but if you did and it was like, Yeah, well, you're you're too gospel centered, you know, in your preaching. Yeah. yeah. Uh, then, you know, the question I'd be like, Jerry, well, who who's gonna be hurt by you leaving? Because yeah. I mean, I'm I'm kind of 
hurt, but like it, this is gonna, <laughs> but this is else. going to affect other people. Uh, that because, my wife because left, you have that would be hurtful to people. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, you mean the grumpy guy that just stands around in the corner? <laughs> I'm really gonna miss that guy. The guy who writes blog posts about you that, that on a Monday after you do a poor job preaching. Oh, come on. I, I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. Yeah. Although I did notice we have community group on Tuesday. Yeah. And then I noticed that a podcast dropped the next day about like community group, like mm. how, to, how to like. I recorded that late Tuesday night just based I, on the community I know. group itself. It felt like, now I'm teasing. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. Should we move the podcast to Thursday? Will that no. make you feel better about no. Avoiding just the stop talking. Group. Just quit making fun of our community group. Coincidentally, um, yeah. Anyway, uh, Bob, I hope that helped. I, I just think you know, depending on the nature of why they're yeah. leaving, um, you know, helping people to pursue um, meaningful membership in another church that um, that they don't take um, any kind of disgruntlement with your church. Because here's the thing: if people are leaving for flaky reasons, they're going to take those same flaky reasons into another church. And yep. so be as honest as you can. Be pastoral, be gentle, but be honest to say, if you're dissatisfied here, why do you think you're going to be satisfied there? Because every yep. church has its issues. Um, that's kind of how I would uh, approach it, I think. Uh, this comes from uh, Rusty on Twitter. Rusty wants to know, best ways to approach student ministry? And this is another one that could be its own episode, but maybe we can just bullet point. Yeah. What are some things to think about when you're doing when you envision the philosophy of student ministry. Do you think Rusty ministry? is the student minister? I would imagine so. Yeah. One, I would say it needs to be word-centered. Okay. Doesn't mean you can't have fun. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, yeah. But your Selfie ministry. Bunny and yeah, that yeah. kind of thing. Uh, sure. If I you want, think we do it, that. I think that's outlawed. It should be. I think people died doing <laughs> okay. <Chubby> Bunny. <laughs> it should be outlawed for many reasons. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, one, because it's not safe. Two, because it's annoying. But okay. yeah, so it needs to be word-centered, right? We, it needs to be focused on Jesus. Uh, those other things are fine, but that should be the the emphasis. Yeah. Uh, also, pizza is okay. Pizza is fine. Video games. Video games are okay. Okay. As long as that isn't what you are centering your ministry on. Sure. Uh, the other thing I would say in in our own Taylor, uh, he oversees yeah. our student ministry. He does a great job of this of of integrating them into the life of the church. Yes. Okay. So not like oh the youth are, are over there in their corner Avoiding segregated the silo. yes exactly yeah. and so so finding intentional ways to get the the students involved in the actual life of the church now I know that might be difficult if they're not actual members uh, I'm not saying you know do the youth Sunday or whatever people we don't we don't do that but there are ways to try to encourage and facilitate um, yeah and teach these students the importance of being a a church member yeah. Yeah, so I'm assuming from the question that Rusty believes that having a, a dedicated student ministry is okay. So I'm going to avoid trying to, you know, should there, you know, should you blow up your student ministry kind of thing. So assuming student ministry is something that you convictionally are okay with, um, I would agree. Yes, that you don't silo the students; that they are integrated somehow into the, into the life of the church, um, even even through service, but also intergenerationally. Relationally, are there ways to facilitate? That your volunteers and leaders um, come from different segments of the church generationally and can pour in, um, not just word centered but discipleship, yeah. um, you know, based as well. You know, the worst form of student ministry is just an entertainment, you yep. know, you know, glorified babysitting of some kind. Let's do a, you know production to keep people entertained and and you know keep them off the streets, <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> that's kind of how we talk back when I was in student ministry. Like, how do we keep the kids off the streets? You know. And that's where the pizza and video games and everything else came in. And then you have to keep ratcheting up the production values of the mm. service itself and blah, 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 blah. That's the absolute worst way to do it. The less best way 
uh, uh, to do it is to simply put on sort of a service of some kind and that's it, right? It's, it's, it's a, it's a Wednesday, it's a Wednesday night program and that's the student ministry just revolves around the program. Having some sort of facilitation of discipleship that there's actual pastoring taking place, whether the student director or student minister is uh, an extension of the pastoral care of the church for the youth, or he's an actual pastor himself, uh, making sure students actually receive discipleship yeah. and spiritual formation. Um, the larger your group gets, the more you're going to have to become more you know, organized uh, related to that and more complex with um, you know, who's involved. Maybe you have student-type community groups. There's lots of churches that do that. Um, but, you know, the the it's not the absolute worst, but the less best way to do it is just we have a Wednesday night program and maybe a Sunday school or something like that. But during the week, we have no idea what's going on. Yeah. We don't. Um, and I also just think, um, you know, part of the spiritual formation discipleship based is um, not just, you know, church integrated, but family yeah, involved that you actually in some way have a ministry to the parents yeah. and you're. Yep. That you're not seeing yourself as a replacement yeah, for them. We say that but, often, but as an extension yep. of them, we're a supplement, not a substitute. Yeah, that's right. You know, and 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 servants of the Christian parents, right? That you sort of, um, you know, that you disciple in such a way that, um, you know, they're being raised to be good family members, and and you know the ways that they would be honoring to their parents mm. as well. Yeah, and not completely separate and distinct. Yep. All right. Um. Here's our last question. It's kind of a fun curveball. I don't know if you thought about this. At Did all. you see me roll my eyes? I did see you roll your eyes. They can't see you roll your eyes, so we're just going to assume that you're really <laughs> taking this seriously. Jake on Facebook, uh, this comes from Jake um, Ringwater. Uh, Jake says, pick a movie you've seen this year and replace all the characters but one with Muppets. What movie and what character stays human? Jared, we all know that this is your question. <laughs> it's not with, my question. With your, no, you didn't write it, but this oh. is your question. Oh, like, oh this I is. See. You have. The, I loved the question. You I had, thought it would be I, good. I noticed when I read it like three times when you sent it to me, and I was like, I, I don't even know how to start. Yeah. All right, so you, you tweeted about this. Let's, let's, let's hear, let's yeah, hear your well, answer. My first actually instinct in answering this question was, was uh, like John Wick. But then I thought, <laughs> and John Wick would be Keanu Reeves and everybody else would be Muppets. But I just thought, then you have him just wasting all these Muppets, just blowing up Muppets. And that's not, that's not good. I wouldn't want to see that happen at all. So then I thought the natural thing is it's a wonderful life. Yeah. And um, I, I did a tweet thread about this um, yeah. where all the characters w- were Muppets. But if I had to pick one character to be human, I think I would pick Clarence. Most people would think George because he's the central character. But I think Kermit is a, just an obvious yes, George. Obviously. He, and, and Miss Piggy's obvious Mary. You know, and Kermit even has kind of a Jimmy Stewart thing about him. He really does. So I think the angel Clarence would have to be human. And I would cast... Um, if he were still alive, the late, great Philip Seymour Hoffman. But if I were casting it today, Jack Black would be Clarence and all the rest Muppets. It's mm. a wonderful life. I think it's a genius idea. Call me up, Hollywood. I want to adapt this. You know, when you sent me the question, I was like, I have no idea how to answer this. <laughs> and then I saw your tweet, and I was like, actually, that's a really, really good answer. I do have one, one comment about your tweet. Okay. There's a typo in it. Yeah. It's, well, I corrected that right underneath <laughs> it. Did you not see it? I saw it. the. Re- I just wanted is everyone. A rename is that what you mean? It's the only rename. Yeah, and then I that's immediately replied and put remake. I yeah, corrected right. myself. You can't edit a tweet, man. I know. And and I had done this but whole you, thread I with just, pictures. I'm like, I, I can't delete that whole thing. Every time I mess up in a tweet yeah. or in a text to you, yeah. you, you are 
you come in very and, you, and, you, and you are. Do you want to answer it, the question or you just want to like when it comes to, I don't expose have, my I, sin to everyone? Then. I think that your answer is I, there's no way I could top it. Okay. Excellent answer. All Funny right. question. Maybe they'll replace this podcast with Muppets someday. That, I, 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 I would listen to it. I think I would listen to it. What Muppet would you be if you could be a Muppet? Mm, or if a Muppet played you? I'm looking. I, I haven't thought about the Muppets in a while. Okay. So I'm looking at your, your thread right now. I can't you remember. Know, I'll tell you, my, yeah, favorite, my you. favorite Muppet is Lou Zealand. Do you know who that is? Nope. Lou Zealand. He's the guy with the crazy eyebrows and the ruffled collar, and he throws fish. And he talks like this. He's <laughs> great. I love Lou Zealand. He's got the best line in The Great Muppet Caper, uh, which is they're trying to break into um, the palace, the big museum, to steal the, the baseball diamond, which is like the Hope Diamond. Mm-hmm. They call it the baseball diamond. And they're trying to break in, and there's got these bars. And, they, and I think Gonzo or someone says, uh, we need something to break through these bars in New Zealand. Who, like, he has maybe four lines in every movie. He's not like a big, you know. Which character. is why I can't think of him. Yeah, so New Zealand pops up and he goes, I've got some paper towels. It's the best <laughs> line in the whole movie. <laughs> and on that note, thank you, dear listener, for paying attention to us as we banter. And hopefully some of the questions, the answers to the questions were, uh, beneficial and a blessing to you. If you enjoy the podcast, please give us a good review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And until next time, may Jesus be big. You've been listening to the For the Church podcast, hosted by Jared Wilson, found online at ftc.co. This resource is brought to you by Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Kansas City, Missouri, where we train leaders for the church.